You're listening to State of the Arts, a show about the arts, theater, creatives in and around the Philippines. Located in the beautiful Samsung Performing Arts Theater in Circuit Makati, Makati's Arts and Entertainment District, where something amazing is always on. On each episode, we invite industry leaders, arts practitioners, and audience members to talk about current events that shape and further the arts in the country. My name is Christopher. Together, let's talk art. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of State of the Arts. Our episode today talks about the exciting and thrilling world of choral ensemble music. In a country filled with numerous talented vocalists, choirs have been a constant fixture in almost every event or occasion around the Philippines. Our guest today has been one of the leading figures in choral ensembles and has been championing this world locally and internationally since 2001. Recognized and awarded here and abroad for his work with the equally accomplished Philippine Madrigal Singers, he continues to share his art and passion through several programs in and out of the country. In addition to being one of the most acclaimed choral masters in the country, he is also a much sought-after piano accompanist and an equally talented countertenor. Please join me in welcoming the always innovative, very approachable, and charismatic visionary, Mr. Mark Anthony Carpio. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you. Thank you, Christopher. That's very kind of you for the, with that introduction. <laughs> of course. How have you been doing? <laughs> mm, no, that's the that's quite a substantial <laughs> question. Um, since last year, we've been uh, having difficulties, but uh, we've we've been able to manage. Sure. Especially with the singers, uh, we've not been, we've not seen each other for since last year. Uh-huh. We've been really working hard, uh, but with that uh, not being together, it's quite a challenge. I bet. Well, uh, thank you again so much for joining me for this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. I know, you know, despite everything else, things are always, uh, there's always something to get you busy. And I really appreciate you squeezing us in your schedule. No, thank you for having me. Of course. I'm excited for listeners to learn about you and your work. Why don't we start by briefly letting them know how you get into the profession you're currently in? Well, um, I am... A musician, yeah, you can you can say that, and a performer, mm-hmm. and I've been doing this, uh, in fact, since I was a, a child, since I was maybe nine or eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my father who encouraged me and my two sisters to study piano, so we would have a, a teacher who would come home, who would come to our house and teach us. And he would strongly encourage us to <laughs> practice every day. And I joined, also joined the choir when I was in elementary. I joined the, the school band when I was in high school. So when it was my turn to go to college, my dad encouraged me to, take, to study music. I wanted to follow him. I wanted to be like him. He was a civil engineer. So instead, he, he thought that it would be a good idea for me to study music instead. This is a not so. This is uncommon, right? When the, when the parents would be the ones to who will encourage the, their children to study music. Usually, it's um, the parents would dissuade their children from studying music, and they would tell them that they would they wouldn't earn so much from in mm-hmm. that field. But that was not the case. In 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 my case, it, it's a different. And so I got into the college, into the University of the Philippines, College of Music, where I studied piano. Mm-hmm. And I 
I learned to love music. I that's where I I got very passionate about this. I thought I would well my deal with my dad was that after studying music I would take a course and uh, any and course that I'd like any course that I loved but when I fell in love with music after that I just uh, continued after graduating I con- I continued with a with a career in music as a musician and that's when I uh, joined the the Philippine Madrigal Singers after after I graduated piano and it was that became a significant turn for me because I learned I started um, I started uh, say falling in love with choral music. I see when I joined the Mads. That was um, yeah several many years ago. <laughs> I really got more passionate with choral music because um, it I found I found it more fulfilling to have many people make music together than just teaching piano, which I would do a one-on-one uh, thing. No? When I, I would okay. teach piano one at a time. So that's the beginning of it. So I decided to go into choral music, into conducting. And that's the, that's the history. <laughs> that's my story. I see. Well, <laughs> I, I was going to say, um, I, I guess you were very fortunate that your parents are very supportive. Um, yes, as as you had mentioned earlier, uh, it's not as, uh, I mean, I, I was going to say it's not just in the Philippines, but, you know, um, uh, everywhere in the world, it's it's not as common to see parents that are yes, very supportive of, of children uh, going into the arts. But um, growing up, did you know you were going to be a musician or focusing on music as your chosen artistic field? No. Okay. You know what? When, when you know, do you remember when we were in elementary school or in high school, our teachers, especially our English teachers, would ask us to write those. Uh, how do you call that? Those papers on what do you want to do or what what do you want to become? What do you want to be? Up? Yes. <laughs> yes. And never did I write that I would want to be a musician. <laughs> never. I see. But, so but I would you... always, uh, yeah, I would oh. always write I wanted to be an engineer. I see. But music was something that have really been an interest of yours since an early, yes. from an early age. I see. Yes, yes, that's true. And, <laughs> and, and is it more, do you find yourself more interested in um, instrumental music or like playing or singing or what? what is it about music that sort of like attracted you to it? Hmm. I'm, I'm trying to remember <laughs> because I started as a pianist, really. So I think that's what that's what I learned to love first. Mm-hmm. But then, as I said, I mentioned earlier, I joined the children's choir in okay. elementary in primary school. So, and that's my first experience of singing with uh, with others. And that's your first actually. public performance, exactly. Yes, uh-huh. and uh, I guess. I I'm, I may I may not have felt it that time, but I guess I I had that uh, that uh, I call interest growing in me because when I was in in high school, I still was interested in singing together. Even even when I was studying piano in, in the university, I I still had that interest of uh, making music and singing with my friends. We would uh, harmonize. Mm-hmm. We would um, go caroling in Christmas season, some, some stuff like that. I see. Well, you know, when you had mentioned, too, that um, 
you pretty much honed your professional field or career at the University of the Philippines. And I've spoken to a few of our guests um, on the podcast. What is it about the university that it seems to be a natural incubator of artists? Well, uh, talking about the, the UP College of Music, mm-hmm. by the, um, yeah. Well, I... Well, I have, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure of what the other schools do, but okay. what I can say is that in UP, um, the students are really given a lot of opportunities to perform. And aside from that, they are given enough uh, courses, I think sufficient courses, that make mm-hmm. them understand what they do in a deeper sense. So they, they, I thought that I, well, that's what I, now that I am a teacher, I'm mm-hmm. a faculty member there, that this is exactly what we do. That we try to as, not just make them perform, but make the students understand the music that they do and know more about the other kinds of music out there because there are mm-hmm. a lot of different kinds of music that they can perform. I see. Well, when you were when you were talking about your interests, uh, even like starting at an early age, being part of a ensemble music um, group, why do you think um, ensemble music um, is something that makes you excited to pursue it, practice it, or advocate for it? What is it about it that um, is exciting for you? <laughs> I remember. I remember. Um... One uh, person asked me, uh, telling he asked me if um, uh, he told me that I am ashamed to join a choir because I am ashamed of my voice. So I I yeah, I, I don't want to compare my voice with others. And I told him that's exactly the reason why you should go join the choir, <laughs> because in the choir you do not have to sing alone. And when you sing, if you don't, if you think that your voice is not uh, uh, that good, once you start singing with others, it becomes really better. Believe me, and that's what <laughs> that's what I always tell people who are who have not decided. I mean, they're not really into choir singing. So I mm-hmm. think um, I think that's the fun that I did at that time. I didn't consider my voice as a as what you can say, solistic or solo material, because sure. I know that I, I, if I compared my voice with the others that I made with my classmates, I would think that they are really much better. But when I start singing with others, I could harmonize, we could produce chords, and that's not and that's something that a solo singer cannot do, right? So, and aside mm-hmm. from that, we are still able to make those others those nuances that a, a solo singer can do. And it becomes more interesting because it's not just one person doing it. There are more of okay. you. And it, yeah, and that's, I think that's the, where our excitement comes from. Right. Well, it, it's, this is sort of a, um, a follow-up question to what you just mentioned today or just right now. Uh, I, I think we can all agree that talent is not lacking in the Philippines. Filipinos, yeah. I feel, are mostly, if not all, musically very inclined. And, and oh, choral yes. music, especially with the country being so religious and choral music being associated with religious worships, mm-hmm. are, are pretty popular. Do, do you find that um, 
in your travels around the world, do you find that Filipinos are much more uh, interested or there is much more attraction to being part of a choral ensemble in the Philippines than in most other countries? I know of uh, several countries who already have uh, this strong tradition uh, Mm -hmm. in choral singing because actually choral singing is not ours. It's not a Filipino thing. It is something that we also got from from the Spanish, from the the West, from Europe. Uh, But then we sort of uh, made it our own (laughs) and we uh, we I, I like just as you said, no, there are a lot of uh, of us Filipinos who are more into this. You know, in in a church, for example, there mm-hmm. there is a choir for every service. So right. there must be in in some churches there are more than ten choirs singing there. Every school, every, even companies, even uh, government agencies have their own choirs nowadays. Mm-hmm. And in fact. When we would join competitions, and okay. this is something that I've I've heard uh, my conduct my intern foreign interconductor friends tell me that they always have this they always have this uh, anxious feeling when they know that there will be a Filipino choir <laughs> joining <laughs> in the same competition, and right. that would uh, I've heard that I've heard that stories from uh, several times in, in right. many, from many conductors. Well. Yeah. Was there ever a period uh, in your years of professional uh, work as a choral master that you felt that this type of genre would always just be considered uh, a a novelty as opposed to now with the proliferation of mainstream representations such as popular TV shows like Glee or movies like Pitch Perfect or even like the concerts that uh, the Mads do? Um, Were you surprised that um, this is even happening right now? Not really. No, I I believe that choral music is uh, something that has been there, has been has been part singing together. I won't I won't say it. I won't name it as choral music. It's just singing together as a community has been there ever since. We don't know since (laughs) our ancestors have been doing this, have been singing together. And whatever is happening nowadays, I believe, is just part of the innovation that we have in same in other fields. So this mm-hmm. is just part of what else can we do? What else can we do with singing together or with choir music? So this is still when the contemporary stuff, contemporary singing, we call it contemporary a cappella singing. Mm-hmm. This is still part of singing together. This is still part of choral music. And uh, uh, what I believe will make you or any choir last or uh, sustain itself, that, that they should uh, try and uh, live with these innovations, that they should try to look for ways to innovate. And that's exactly what we do in the Philippine Magical Singers. Mm-hmm. We try to address, we try to look at what's happening. We try to present Evolve. our... Yeah. Uh, with our audience with various um, ways so that they can enjoy our music. Yeah, and so we try to give them, we present it to them in different ways. 
That sounds great, and I think that's a perfect segue to my next question. I I understand, and I, I know that you are celebrating your 20th year as a choir master of the Philippine Madrigal Singers, and I, I think it will be good for for us to quickly discuss the Mad's um, impact in the cultural landscape in the Philippines. Can you briefly tell our listeners um, a little bit about the Philippine Madrigal Singers and how they've impacted the choral music industry in the country? Uh, the Philippine Manual Singers was uh, founded in 1963. Okay, mm. that was a long way ago. But during that time in the 60s, there was not as much choir as we have now. Mm. So the choirs would be more of the church and in some universities. Okay. In the University of the Philippines, at that time, there were only two choirs. So the, the year before, the University of the Philippines Concert Chorus was founded. And in 1963, it's the the Philippine the University of the Philippines Madrigal Singers started, and um, our founder, Professor Andrea Veneracion, you can say because of her work with the Philippine Madrigal Singers. By the way, so the UP Madrigal Singers and the Philippine Madrigal Singers are just one. When we when the group yes when the group became the resident company of the Cultural Center of the Philippines okay. back in 1980, they assumed the name Philippine Madrigal Singers. All right. But um, since the 1960s through the 70s and the 80s, the Mads, uh, by the way, sorry, so the nickname of the of the choir, because apparently somebody thought that it was long, so the, the University right. of the Philippines Magical Singer, somebody invented a nickname, a one-syllable nickname, and that is the Mads. I see. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the Mads, because of the work of our founder, Professor Vinrashan, has built quite a reputation not just locally, but also internationally. So we, we always say Professor Veneration has placed the Philippines in the international choral map because of winning in competitions, in, in several competitions, winning top prizes from the 70s through the 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I joined uh, the MADS in 1992, mm-hmm. it was already... It was already an institution, so everybody knew who the Mads was okay, and how great the Mads was. It, uh, it was uh, competitive to enter even, to even mm-hmm. think about joining the Mads. I was going to say, is, is it safe to say that the Mads have set the standard for how and what a choral ensemble in the Philippines should look and sound like? Yes, you can say that. That's, that's been, that has been actually the vision or the mission of the Mads from, the, from, the, from 1963. Mm. So... Later on, we, we will discover how the number of choirs increased through the 70s and the 80s from the, from the 60s. No? So, uh, when our, uh, many of these choirs were conducted and were organized by former and even member, current members of the MADS, uh, when our founder realized this, she started or she, uh, she formed what is now uh, we can say the largest network of choirs in the country. And she called this the Mads et al. And God. every year since she founded this, we would organize a, a festival, mm-hmm. a Mads et al. festival, where we would feature these choirs conducted by former members and current members of the Mads. So last year, we had to do it online. So we had uh, close to 70 choirs. Wow. But aside from those choirs, there are uh, others who were not able to join because of because of that difficulty of uh, producing uh, virtual performance. 
Well, no, I was going to ask you, how did it feel like succeeding a national artist in leading the band? <laughs> yes. So you can imagine the pressure, right? <laughs> um, right, right, I bet. Yeah, um, yes. The, our founder, I, as I said, because of this work, because of, uh, and a lot of other things that she has done to promote choral music in the country and also Philippine choral music abroad, she was declared national artist in 1998, 1999, sorry, the uh, national artist for music. And that was the, also the time that she was uh, trying to look for somebody who would succeed her as choir master of the group. And that happened in 2001. So <laughs> it, was, uh, it was really something, um, how do you say, not really, you know, you can say a little bit of, uh, there was a little bit of stress. Okay? Sure, there was, sure. There was much pressure. Yeah, but... I I ha, I had this uh, trust and I had this uh, yeah confidence in that decision of uh, of our founder and uh, when she asked me if if it was something that I'd love to that I'd like to consider or that I'd like to do I told her of course ma'am as long as you will be there to guide me mm-hmm. <laughs> and that she did so she was there uh, through those the significant years, okay? sure. the first years of a of a change of how do you say the, the turnover, uh, yeah. the transitionary period. Yes, exactly. That mm-hmm. that's that good. Well, how she did you uh, how did you approach the succession? Did did you feel like you needed to? You were there to sort of just continue the work that she's done, uh, literally how she's done it, or did you have? Um, something in you that you feel like or you felt like you have to carve your own niche and impact? No. Um, I, re- uh, I really felt that uh, at the time, I just had to continue what she started. Okay. And in fact, she had other things in mind. And um, she would tell us of those other things, those, those dreams. She had been dreaming, actually, of what she would call later on as the the sing Philippines, the whole country singing. I see. So, uh, for example, since the 90s, she had been giving workshops and these um, performances, uh, outreach performances, we would call them, to in other provinces. So she would ask um, some of us to be with her, to come with, to go with her and teach the choirs, local choirs in, in different provinces and even the conductors. These are the the people who, who did not have capabilities of coming to Manila to okay. attend to, or to avail of those uh, of the education, which was most of the time being offered only here in Manila. So she called it the Sing Philippines, and this is still something that we are endeavoring to live this dream of hers, making the whole country singing. And that's exactly what we've been doing, what I've been trying to work on for the past um, 20 years, yeah, you can say. I see. Well, I was going to say uh, the the last 20 years that you've been uh, leading Mads, I'm sure there are tons of great and unforgettable experiences that you had. Was there any that stands out to you? A lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but maybe... Uh, perhaps maybe the... you can share some of the most yeah. memorable okay. ones. Um. I became the choir master in 2001, but uh, ever since then, uh, uh, Mom Veneration was there with me, and 
a few years after that, in 2003 or beginning of 2004, she strongly encouraged me to join an international competition, international festival. And she pinpointed a partic- this particular uh, festival or competition in Spain mm-hmm. that we then, yeah, she recommended that we join that. This was a competition on a particular kind of music, which is a Spanish music. We call it an habanera. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and aside from that, there is a, another category uh, for a polyphonic music. So there are two categories that we would participate in. And the first one is a very, of course, uh, it's, it's about a particular kind of music. And we would expect Spanish choirs to be participating there. And uh, choirs from Spanish-speaking countries like uh, in South America or Central America. So that's what happened. And of course, for polyphonic, the other category, polyphonic music, mm-hmm. what we always, uh, we can say... Um, you can say the word is fear, are the choirs from Europe, sure. and from, especially from Scandinavia, uh, those are the, the northern part of the, the Baltics and Scandinavian countries. They, they, are, they are very strong uh, choral tradition. So we participated. <laughs> I, I thought that was a challenge, but... Uh, a little stressful, but since it's gonna be, it's, it was the first competition. I felt that all eyes and all ears were on us, so, and then and just waiting for what will happen, what will come up, come out of this. Fortunately, and also because I believe, because Mom OA was there to guide me, um, uh-huh. we won in both categories. Wow! In in the habanera category, it was an honor you know, to, for us to to be in the in the top three with a choir from Puerto Rico and uh-huh. Cuba. So these are Spanish-speaking countries. So right. you can see these are their music. And for the polyphonic music category, also we shared the, the top places you know, was, uh, with a choir from Latvia, from, uh, from Russia, with... And I think there was a tie for the third. I can't remember which one now. So these are the the northern uh, European countries. So these are um, we looking looking back at that moment. I think I I I'm, I, I still uh, you're still very proud of it. <laughs> yes. And with fondness, I look back with fondness. Yeah, right, to that right. Moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Um, well, seeing some of your shows live and watching a lot of your recorded um, uh, performances, I've always been curious, was there a story on why the Mads always sit? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, yeah. So this is something that, uh, uh, that are, that's often asked of us, actually. Uh-huh. So, so maybe with, 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 uh, with this uh, uh, podcast, maybe we, maybe we can answer uh, the this question and maybe so many people will be uh it will be clearer to them so right the first members in 1963 uh wanted to specialize in a, this kind of music that was uh that many composers during the renaissance period uh, wrote in so this is what we call the I madrigal see. okay so the madrigal is a kind of music and uh, not a name of a person as many mm-hmm. people would uh, 
would think. No? So and the, the madrigal is an a cappella kind of music and written for several voices. That's where we had this, the term soprano, alto, tenor, and basses uh, uh, were used. No? Mm-hmm. And so for the first concert, for the first public performance, they thought that it would be, the first members, referring to the first members, they thought that it would be a good idea to sing or to perform in the way uh, singers during the Renaissance period would perform or would sing the madrigals. And that is sitting down around the banquet table, because that's where the madrigals were, were usually sung, with all the food and all the wine. Yes, if you, you can imagine in, in courts, you know, special courts and events in there celebrations. So that's where the madrigals were sung. So they thought that it would be a good idea to have the chairs. But they did away with the table with the food and wine. So only the chairs remained and the conductor or the choir master uh, would take the leftmost seat in the semicircle. So it was formed like a, a semicircle formation so that everybody can see each other. And that would be easier for for uh, uh, for them, for us to sing. Now, when we I can see, that, see each that other. Makes, that, that makes a lot more sense now. So it's yes. not just you guys showing off that you could sing even while no. singing. <laughs> <laughs> but it has become the signature of the mats, this semicircle formation. Right, right. And with the it, chairs, it, yeah. It, it's it's so beautiful to watch and it's it, it's impressive as well. So that that's really great. Um, yeah. You've mentioned that even during the time of National Artist Venerations um, period, uh, the Mads was already um, competing internationally, and this had yes. continued even during your um, time yes. and uh, to this date. Was that always intentional, or uh, or should I say, why do you think it's important that the Philippine Madrigal singers continue to have a presence internationally? Yeah. Well, it, I can tell you that... Um... At the beginning, uh, the the primary reason why Professor Venerashan decided to join these international competitions was to to learn more. You see, to to see what is what is going on with in the other countries, for example, with other choirs, and to see uh, how the Mads will uh, stand with those other with the choirs from the, from those countries. Right. So it was for um, at the beginning, it was really for learning experience, and that's mm-hmm. that's what we continue. That's what I continue to believe in. No, uh, competition is always a learning experience, but we also believe that joining competitions help in how do you say speeding up the process of improving every singer's musicianship and musicality. So, of course, so yeah. When 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 we when we prepare for a competition, um, every singer has to work hard, no. And mm-hmm. when ev- when each one of those singers work hard, the whole group becomes better and improves a lot, improves uh, faster. Mm-hmm. And that's what we try to consider as as well you know, when we join competitions. But as she said, as she would always uh, tell us. Competition, winning in competitions is, is not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So competitions are there only as a means. Okay. But if you, yeah, 
Yeah, that's what <laughs> she would tell us. Right, right. Yeah. Um, it it just so happens that you guys always win, so <laughs> that, that's 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 really like sort of like the bonus of it, right? Exactly, you can say that. <laughs> well, yes. from the from the small research I did about you, I learned that part of your mission in promoting the art form is your leadership in nurturing and training up and coming young artists. Why is it important, or why is this important for you? You know, when I joined the, the MADS in, back in 1992, um, and then I joined them in the, in the tour in 1993, I got this experience of witness. I, I got to witness a lot of children's choirs and uh, who were very good children's choirs from different countries. So when we came back, or in, back in, in 1994, the year after, I decided to to start my own children's choir, that's mm-hmm. the, uh, which was based in Claret School in Quezon City. Okay. In fact, um, in 2001, when I became the choir master of the, 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 the MADS, Mom OA, or Mom Veneration, that's how we could call it, did, okay. not, uh, did not tell us, did, did not tell me to, that I should stop. In fact, she told me that it's good that I have this choir, and that it's good that I started young, this, this, uh, this, uh, these boys. And mm-hmm. eventually, we also had uh, have organized a girls' choir. So this uh, boys' choir is now uh, has grown into a consortium of voices, or a consortium of choirs. We have the boys' choir, the girls' choir, and then the male choir, the boys who have grown older. So they, they keep on, they continue singing with us. And then, all um, they, they uh, part of this dream of the of, of, of Professor Vinayashan uh, of having the whole country singing of this um, the Sing Philippines as we named it. We mm-hmm. also organized later on what we call the Sing Philippines Youth Choir. So okay. we auditioned singers, young singers from all over the country. These singers would come to Manila and join us in a week of rehearsals and performances. So this has been what we have been doing for the youth. And I believe that this is very important, that it is very important to start, as she said, to start them young. So this is where we try to sow the seed of, um, of love, of this love for singing together, of harmonizing together, because we believe that, as Mama Oe also said, that when when everybody sings in the choir, then everybody will learn how to live together with others in harmony and in peace, mm. trying to achieve something beautiful. Yeah, right. That's 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 great to hear. Um, well, speaking of how the Mads was in uh, uh, before and twenty years since you started leading the group. Where would you like to see yourself in the ensemble heading? <laughs> um, let me see. Okay. Well, I was can, that a I, loaded question? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> let me. I, I'm trying to think where to start. A few years ago, we started uh, also what we called our uh, Mad Studio. This is okay. a, a school where we have where we give or provide lessons, individual lessons and uh, workshops. So this has become the educational arm of the Philippine Mandrigal Singers. 
right. and in this studio we had uh, also organized or formed the, what we call the mini mats this is a form this is an, a choir of uh, really young children from 8 to to 12 years old or 13 years old yeah so we call them the mini mats and then also at the same time we have what we call the scola cantorum which is a program for high school students we have this uh, high schoolers um, from the surrounding cities and even provinces from Bulacan, Cavite, Laguna, they would come here uh, to avail of uh, voice lessons, piano lessons, and choir or uh, chorus classes. So they would come here every Saturday. We would love for this school to grow. We have okay. been wanting to look for a place that we can call our own because right now we are still renting this place here in Quezon City. We have been wanting to look for a place where we can have all these activities, all these um, lessons and classes and and uh, and everything uh, there in that school. So we would love to have more and more people to avail of that, not only here in the Philippines, but oh, perhaps from the surrounding uh, countries from our neighboring countries. Mm-hmm. And for the MADS, of course, as I always say, there, there's just a lot of music out there that we should share with our audiences. And, and music, or this, this uh, new music will, will not stop. They will continue uh, growing. We, thank, we are thankful for the composers that are, are there writing this music, and it's just... Uh, right that for, for us to be sharing all this music with, uh, with with people with our audiences that's exciting um yeah, yes yeah well i was gonna say too uh, uh, just going back to um some of the works that you've done and and seeing them I, I feel like you've done a fantastic job in making the magical singers relevant through your choice of repertoire and programming how do you intend to keep the mads and choral music in general still appreciated and relevant in the social media age? Well, we have these uh, online performances that we have been doing since last year. Since um, uh-huh. we, when the when this when the when the pandemic started, we we took advantage of it. We took a, a break. But then after a couple of months, we decided that this, this cannot continue. We have to do something because there are a lot of people who are waiting or who are in need of, of, of inspiration so that they can also be motivated to move on. And that's exactly what we do with our um, online performances. Aside mm-hmm. from that, we have been uh, giving uh, online workshops. So these are the... Uh, we've been giving workshops for conductors, for choristers, and since last year, we, we continue to do that. We would love, it is our dream, to have our own, uh, we can call, um, online channel, if, you want, if, that's, if that's the right term, mm-hmm. um, where people can just uh, tune in and avail of what they, what they think they would uh, like to hear from the different activities or the different, um, yeah, the different activities that we organize, whether it's performance or workshops or just a discussion. So we want to, con- we want to continue doing this 
and hopefully it will become uh, something regular. Yeah. So there's a lot of like exciting projects uh, planned. Yes, yes, there are. Yes, that everybody and should should I, look out yeah. for. Yes, I will be announcing actually some of them or a lot of them, in in our online concert on on the twenty ninth. Nice, nice, fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, Mark, I was gonna say. I'm sure there are a lot of young artists who are inspired by your journey and look have looked up to you as a source of inspiration. What do you say to them when they're just maybe thinking of starting their own artistic journeys or are very new to this? As I also uh, always tell the mini-mads and also the Scola Cantorum, it is good that you follow your heart. No, follow what your heart tells you. Follow what you love to do. Follow or do what you are passionate about. And even if you, uh, for example, would not uh, pursue this as a career, it is something that will stay with you and will keep you, will, will keep yourself healthy, will keep and mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So if you follow this, um, this uh, path of, of uh, honing your art, and uh, and for those who would uh, do it or who would pursue it as a career, mm-hmm. um, I would of course encourage you to really work hard because this is not this is a serious thing and this is not just something that we consider a hobby. A lot of people depend on us, depend on people like us who would provide them with things of beauty with beautiful artistic uh, uh, what do you say stuff no this uh, mm-hmm. the music that we make or maybe the performances that we do and we have to give them what they need so we and what they deserve so we need we have to work hard but eventually when you really love what you are doing then it wouldn't be you wouldn't look at it as as work you would right. just want to do it because of the things that because of the fruits that you that you get from it because you see how good you how the good things that you are doing for other people right well mark do you think being a core master or uh, would be a viable artistic journey for some of our young artists and musicians oh yes well okay. now that there there are um, i know I, I know that there are a lot of conductors out there and choir masters and conductors, and many of them uh, are not able, for some reason, to to study in the university. But uh, of course, this is something that I strongly encourage them to do. But um, for those who are not able, I just want to tell them that there are a lot of other activities, of other possibilities of learning. So there mm-hmm. are a lot of, uh, for example, workshops being organized the, or online discussions that you can learn from or performances of uh, very good choirs that you can watch and learn from mm-hmm. as well. So take advantage uh, because it, this is something that we are provided for with, no? especially nowadays. We did not have this when I was still studying in the 90s or in the 80s. So it, now it is... Uh, it is out there, you can just uh, click, <laughs> and uh, you can get everything. Right. Well, that's that's 
good info for everybody listening right now to know and to learn. Go get yourself all of the training that's out there for you. And yes. who knows, maybe one day you could be Mark as well. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> well, well, Mark, this has been wonderful. I'm sure. I'm sure we can spend hours talking so much, uh, <laughs> just with the, the the history of the Madrigal Singers and your time with them, and and the future of uh, choral music um, in the country. Uh, but I wanted to thank you very much for um, spending uh, a little bit of your time and sharing your. Um, art and your artistic journey with all of us. But before I let you go, I wanted us to do some rapid fire questions. Are you up for it? <gasps> wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, my heart, my heart is beating fast now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Sure. Are you no, ready? Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, morning or evening? <gasps> evening. <laughs> what is one constant item in your pantry or in your refrigerator? Uh let's see um eggs <laughs> okay are you a texter or a talker texter all right uh sport that you wish you excelled at um swimming <laughs> oh, nice is there a favorite holiday that you love to celebrate oh christmas of course <laughs> okay uh in, in the context of choirs um not considering that you are a tenor um, would you rather be the soprano, the alto, bass, or the tenor? Um, alto. I see. <laughs> would you rather be conducting or singing? Uh, no. <laughs> Both. <laughs> okay. Well, outside, outside of singing it, uh, what other language you wish you knew how to speak? Or converse in? Oh wow, French. French, okay. <laughs> yes. um, are you are you on social media? Yes. Of Facebook or Instagram? Both. <laughs> yeah. Of all of the competitions that you've entered in, is is there still a dream competition that you wanna do really well in or win? Well, yes, actually, but the, I'm not sure if they're gonna hold it again. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, I see. That's too bad. So that maybe better better for me not to say it for now. Okay. 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 Uh, musical artists, yeah. local or foreign, that you wish or hope to work with? Uh, oh no. Uh, okay. <laughs> ah, difficult. A lot. There's a lot. Um, maybe. Okay. Well, name one. We haven't sung with uh, with uh, Andrea Bocelli. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that, that would be nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, favorite line from a music that you perform? Oh, wow. For as long as I have music. Okay, how did it go again? You, you know you can <laughs> sing too for, for the listeners. For as long as I, as I have music, as long as there's a song for me to sing, I will find my way. I will... I, on the better day, the music in my mind will set my spirit free. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that's, nice. that's nice. What is your uh, what is one go to song of yours? Right now, it's uh, let's see. No, it's difficult. Okay, uh, let me see. 
something. Ah, there's one, there's this one song from our new, from our recently released album, and mm-hmm. it's entitled "Kahit Hindi Na Pakip Siyem." Uh, a dog or a cat? Dog. Okay. Dog. First, first thing that you do when you get up. Fix my bed. And the last thing you do before you go to sleep. Turn off the lights. <laughs> <laughs> Name an artist that have inspired you. Ooh. Uh, I would say Professor Venetian. Andrea yeah, Venetian. Of course, good choice. Yes. <laughs> well, well, Mark, I think that is all the time we have for today. Before we end, I know you have an upcoming event to celebrate your 20th anniversary. Please tell us all about it and invite our listeners. Yeah, first of all, thank you, Christopher, for having me here. I had a great time. Um, uh, I'd like to invite everybody to our online concert that will be held on July 29. It will be available at, uh, it will be live streamed, sorry. It will be uh, streamed at the Facebook page of the Philippine Madrigal Singers. And um, there will be a lot of... uh, of uh, surprises, actually, <laughs> and that's so. Right. I'd like uh, I'd like to be uh, see. Every, uh, I mean, for uh, for everybody to join us. Um, that is entitled seven thousand three hundred five days. Okay, so those are the days that we counted that spanned uh, twenty years, and nice. we are going to look back uh, to those to that past twenty years. That that's exciting i'm looking forward to it so that's on the 29th yes. uh, is, is there a time um yeah let me just uh make sure i no i'm uh, i think we have <laughs> sorry can i just check double check on that oh of course but it's going to be at the facebook page of the philippine madrigal singers yes oh sorry, sorry it's gonna 29th. be it's gonna be at uh 8 p.m it's at 8 p.m. on July 29th. That's a Thursday at the yes. Facebook page of Philippine Madrigal Singers. And it's going yes. to be streamed um, is, um, for everybody. Yes. That's very exciting. Make sure you all tune into that. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us have a short glimpse of your everyday professional life. It's been great and I've enjoyed it very much. For listeners who are interested in asking some follow-up questions, please leave them in the comment section. We'll try to send this to Mark and get back to you. Thank you, Mark. Best of luck. And I look forward to your July 29th concert. And I hope we get to see you in the Madrigal Singers on the stages of the Samsung Performing Arts Theater real soon. Thanks again. Thank you too. Thank you, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite channels. State of the Arts is a weekly podcast and is available on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. We're also on Facebook and Twitter with the handle at State of the Arts PH. Share with your friends, family, and fellow arts aficionados and help us get the word out. For the latest news, including upcoming events and important happenings at the Samsung Performing Arts Theater, Visit their website at samsungperformingartstheater.com or follow the theater's official social media channels with the handle at CPATOfficial. You may also visit our sponsor affiliate pages, Circuit Makati and Make It Makati. Thank you for joining me today. Till next time.